You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 10 a.m. on June 11, 2023, presented by Rev. Len Pierce. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, And all these, having having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, having or striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us or speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have have had human fathers who corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, this is your holy word, living and active in our lives. We pray now as we look into it that you by your spirit will open our ears to hear, help us to understand, help us to apply this word to our lives. We know, Lord, to hear the word only is not sufficient. We must live it out in our lives. So, Lord, again we pray, teach us the way. Teach us how to run the race that is before us and to reach that finishing tape with great joy. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. So, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 is our main text. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So today we're running. And if you're a real Christian, you're a runner. You've got no choice. I've got no choice. We have to run. You're an athlete. I wonder if, if uh, many of us today can remember when we used to run. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a day. <laughs> there was a day when we all used to run. Clara, you still run, don't you? Yeah. How fast do you run? Very fast? <laughs> yeah. Some of us can still do a fast walk. But we're all runners in the Lord's sight when it comes to the Christian faith. And when we surrendered our lives to him and we chose to follow him and he chose us to follow him, we made ourselves runners. And that's the running that's seen here in Hebrews chapter 12. But isn't running a fascinating function of the human body? It's just so amazing that we can run as well as walk. And it's so essential as part of our growing up anyway when we were younger. <clears throat> now we only dream about it, don't we? <clears throat> the Christian life here in these two verses is both a run and it's a race that's set before us. And the fascinating thing is in this race of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, there's no winner. There's no mention of anybody being a winner. And we'll come to that later as to why that is the case. About two weeks ago, we had a phone call and Noel Kalunda from Uganda was on the phone. We'd never met him before, but somebody had referred him to us. And he was needing accommodation Friday and Saturday night. And uh, it turns out he was a runner, a Ugandan, and he'd just come from the Great Ocean Road where they run this race every year, and he'd just finished a 60-kilometre 60, 60 marathon when he knocked on our door. He'd run it in six hours. And these East Africans, they're really marathon runners, aren't they, those of you who know. <laughs> they know how to run. And... Uh, 
he came about 15th or something out of 150, but there were several thousand in the race who ran shorter distances. But he was a marathon runner for 60 kilometres. <clears throat> and at the time it occurred to me just to say to him, well, I can't anywhere near beat that. But by the grace of God alone, just right now, I've uh, finished 60 years as a Christian. So I've tucked up my 60 as well. And uh, having been converted to Christ three months before my 21st birthday, and uh, in, January 19, in January 2023, that was my 60th year in the Christian life and in the race that, that, that God called me to, to, to run. And uh, we had a good time together for two days. And we had to get him to the airport at 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, which we also managed to do. So runners, we're all runners in, to one degree or another. I wonder if you remember the name uh, Kipchoge, Eliud Kipchoge. He was a marathon runner. He ran the marathon in a time of 1 hour 59 minutes and 40 seconds. He was the first marathon runner to get the 26.2 miles under um, two hours. It didn't count as a world record because it was planned and, and timed all the way through. He ran by himself. But he's undoubtedly the greatest marathon runner of all time and an Olympic champion as well, East African. Others from our memories are, of course, Eric Little. Some of you will have heard of Roger Bannister who uh, was the first man to break the four-minute mile. And uh, John Landy, who followed just a few weeks afterwards, also breaking the four-minute mile. And uh, other names like Herb Elliott, Sebastian Coe, Mo Farrar and so on, these great runners who are long-distance runners. And some champions are sprinters and some are long-distance runners. In the Christian life, there are both sprinters and long-distance runners. Robert Murray Machane, a Scot in the 1800s, his preaching influenced the whole of Scotland. Such was the way God used him. At 29 years of age, he was taken home to glory. 7,000 people came to his funeral. Then Henry Scowgill was called home at 28 years. But his writings were used by God to show George Whitfield, the friend of the Wesleys, to show him how important it was to be born again. And after he'd read some of Scalgill's works, he said to himself, if I'm not born again, I'm damned. I have to be born again. And that was what brought him to Christ. And thousands of people in England and, and in uh, Scotland and Ireland and across the ditch in uh, the new colonies, the English colonies, thousands of people came to Christ through the preaching of this man. But he was influenced very importantly just by one man, Henry Scalgill. He was called home at 28 years of age. Off he went to be with the Lord forever. Then Ian Keith Falconer, another young man. He was the professor of Arabic at Cambridge University and God called him in his early 20s. That was when he was in his early 20s. He was the professor of Arabic at Cambridge. God called him to be a missionary to the Arabs in Yemen. 
He went, he lasted just a few years, became very ill and died and uh, never went back to England again. He died in, at, at 31 years of age. His uh, grave is in Aden. We visited the grave. He's got some wonderful words written on his, on his gravestone. Eleven of our fellow workers in Yemen were martyred while we were working there. One of them just a small child. God called them home at very early age. They're all under 50, vigorous, healthy people, shot by the Muslims for being missionaries in the Yemen. It's an untold story. One day somebody's going to have to write about it. Called home very, very quickly, very early in their lives. So some run the sprint and some are the marathon runners in the Christian life as well. And this Christian race mentioned in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, has many essentials about it, things that we can't do in order to run, we have to do in order to run this race successfully. And the first thing is we must be aware of our history. That's why chapter 11 is there, to give us the history of the runners through the centuries that we might be aware of all that they've done and be inspired by their example. They inspire us. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, the writer says. So there's a sense in which also being aware of these onlookers, and they are onlookers in heaven, being aware of them, we have to get the feeling they're cheering us on in the race. And uh, athletes will tell you the presence of a cheering crowd in the race lifts them to, to great achievements when they hear the calling out of the crowd as they run. It makes them improve. It gives them zeal, gives them an extra lift. And these last nine verses of chapter 11 have got an untold number of heroes of the faith that we need to take note of and be inspired by, how they came to win and we remember their achievements. And then we need to be aware, being aware of this mass of witnesses as we run the race, we, we must remember that we can't run this race if we're not wearing the right clothes. You can't run any of these races in all working boots, can you? Or with, even with trousers on or a dress on. You have to wear the right uniform to be able to run successfully. You have to put off what you've got on put on the correct dress in order to be able to run. And uh, it's called a weight here. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're told later on in chapter 12 that the proper uniform to run the race is called holiness. We have to put on holiness. We have to put on righteousness. We have to put on this special dress that the Lord gives us when we become Christians in order to be able to run the race successfully. And if we don't have on, have on the proper uniform, then we're going to be hindered 
We're going to be held down. We're not going to be successful in running the race. And then we must lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. And sin captivates us. It holds us. It, it, it entraps us. It weighs us down. And so we have to lay aside the sin that is all the time getting at us, isn't it? We have to push it off in the name of the Lord and resist even to the point of shedding blood, the apostle says in verse 4. You've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. That's how strongly we have to resist it and have it washed away from our lives continually by the blood of Christ and by the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to run this race. And then we must actually run this race with endurance, in verse 1 as well. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And endurance means adverse circumstances. If you're going to run with endurance, you've got to have something that's against you. And endurance means we have to persevere. The Christian race is no Sunday school picnic, is it? We really face up to the fact. We're called to face opposition, hostility, suffering, sickness and afflictions of all kinds. If you're really a Christian, you'll find that. It's true. And it's a race set before us. The track is laid out for us to run by the Lord himself. We're to follow him, follow in his steps. And we must run looking unto Jesus, watching him taking the ultimate example from him himself. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginner of our faith. He's the completer of our faith. And we must keep looking unto him. How do we look unto Jesus? Well, we have to keep in his word, don't we? At all costs. I wonder how many of you have a daily Bible reading and prayer time. You do. Wonderful. There you go. You must do it. God bless you. We do need to have that daily time in the Word. We actually need to soak ourselves in the Word of God. Hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. Follow its teachings. Pray. We need to pray every day over the Word of God. Let it, be, let it come into our hearts and pray over it. The real heartbeat of the Christian life, using the analogy of the body, the real heartbeat is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ within us. He's the heartbeat. And then the food to feed our Christian lives is the word of God, the bread of life. We must feed on it every day. And then prayer is like the breathing of our bodies. We breathe in and out. So we've got prayer, we've got the word, we've got the presence of Christ within us. And these three things, these three operations within us are how we live as Christians. Without that daily and regular daily time, we're going to die. We're going to be running the race. We're going to fall by the track exhausted. We won't finish to the tape because we're not feeding our souls. We have to do this, do these things. We have no choice if we're going to run the race looking unto Jesus.
often in his word. And then we enter into the joy. See here what it says. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We come into the victory that he won. We share in the victory and the ultimate anticipation gives us the joy. So the question is, friends, are you running? We have to be running if we're really a Christian. Are you listening to the cheering of the Old Testament heroes of the faith as they're recorded here? Are you seeing the example they've set for us? Therefore, we also, it says, like they did, we have to follow their example. We have to bear the reproach. Remember Moses, he said, it says, for the, for he, he counted the reproaches of Christ as nothing because of the treasures, which was a greater treasure than all the treasures of Egypt. For the reproaches of Christ were, were greater than all those treasures of Egypt. And he ran the race looking unto Jesus. Why then is there no winner recorded here? Because the fact is we all win. Everybody wins this race. The last are first, the first are last in the Christian economy. And we're all winners because of the grace of God in our lives, especially when we enter heaven, of course. Wendy and I last year had 12 of our friends who reached the finishing tape. It's the, it's the stage we're at, isn't it? We're all going at various times, one, one day or another. Twelve of our friends last year reached the finishing tape. So far this year there's five and counting. And that's the end of the race here on earth. But we must be in the race, mustn't we? You've got to be in the race to be one of the winners of the race. We must be running. And the test is found in our endurance and the shame experienced and the fools for Christ syndrome that we must partake in. Often when we go out onto the street, I say to my partner, here we go again, a couple of fools for Christ. Because so many people think we're just idiots to be out there doing what we do. We know it's pleasing to God and we know we share the shame that he shared. The race is run and faith is given to the believer both to be saved and to run. And uh, we must be in the race to reach the tape. In 1956, five young male missionaries from America tried to reach the previously unreached Alca Indians in Ecuador in South America, previously untouched with the gospel all those centuries. The Mission Aviation Fellowship pilot Nate Saint landed them in his aeroplane on a beach, a river beach in the jungle. He got down and, and landed there. All five of them were speared almost immediately and killed by the Alcas when they saw them, immediately on landing. The story of this amazing event that opened up the gospel to the Alcas, in fact, the wives went then 
and uh, started to preach amongst the Yaukas. It's immortalised the story in a book called Through Gates of Splendour. If you've never read Through, Gla Through Gates of Splendour, please, you must read it. Written by Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot, who was one of the five missionaries killed. And something unforgettable that Jim Elliot once wrote just before they made the journey to Ecuador. He wrote in his diary, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he went and he was with the Lord within a few weeks. So friends, we have to run. Run, run, run. That's what we're called to do with endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the prize is unimaginable. More than all the treasures of Egypt is the prize that we're going to get if we run. You must get into the race. You must run the race with endurance looking unto him. You must run. I must run. We've got no choice. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the race that is set before us. We thank you that we have all the helps we need to run the race. We thank you for the prize that's far beyond our ability to even think or imagine. And thank you, Lord, that you've prepared it all. We're yours. We belong to you. We long for that day soon, Lord, <clears throat> when we'll be with you forever. And we just pray that every one of us here in this church today will be found in your heavenly kingdom because of all you've done for us. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. More messages of hope at Essendon Presbyterian Church.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.